This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, May 26th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village takes VCA sale off the table. John Pandolfo looks back on a COVID school year. Mountain Film returns and a mountain weather forecast. Mountain Village will not be selling Village Court Apartments. The decision comes after over a year of the option being on the table. We had a conversation about the future of VCA and what that would look like. And I think the options on the table were, do we sell VCA? Do we lease it to a third-party operator? Do we seek a third-party manager? Or do we just keep it uh, and continue on the path that we're on right now? That's Mountain Village Town Attorney Paul Weiser speaking before Mountain Village Town Council last week. In the leasing or management scenario, Weiser says a housing company would lease the property, manage it, and collect the rent from tenants. But he adds there are some challenges. Not to bore people, but uh, federal tax law with respect to financing these projects are fairly complicated. And the bond that we issued on VCA makes it difficult for us to enter into a lease arrangement or a management arrangement because there are certain rules that are known as private use limitations. And basically a a private third party cannot generate more than 10% of revenue off of a project that was financed with the particular bond that we used. Weiser has also had some concerns about a sale. For one, he's not sure there will be a big bang for the buck. Frankly, I think that while we would get some money to pursue other projects uh, to do more community housing if we sold BCA, um, we get to choose the original owner. We wouldn't get to choose a subsequent owner. And I think it would be a shame to give up uh, control uh, of that particular project because it does create a great value to the community. It's an argument council member Jack Gilbride agrees with. The only way we can control and maintain, make sure that VCA is what we want it to be is to own it. The rest of council concurred. So Mountain Village plans to keep ownership and management of the apartment complex. But there still may be some changes to come. For one, Weiser says the town should refinance VCA. Mountain Village currently has about $12 million left to pay off. Uh, But what have I suggested that if we were to go ahead and do that, we do it in such a way that we are able to pay down a certain portion and then be able to subdivide uh, buildings eight and nine. uh, And then we can go do whatever we want with them, which includes uh, condominiumizing them uh, and selling them if we wanted to, to the current owners or to future owners. For Mayor Leila Benitez, the ability to condominiumize part of the housing project is a great prospect. I really am excited about the potential that that provides for so many people in our community to maybe have a first-time home purchase, something that they can count on to take the some of that uncertainty out of their lives. I think also it could be a really good deal for some of our businesses to maybe have a chance to secure housing for their employees. Michelle Haynes, Mountain Village Planning and Development Services Director, adds the ability for residents to buy could also fill some gaps in the housing market. You know, it's nice to have a housing ladder, or maybe you start out with roommates, 
then you rent by yeah. yourself and then you move into, you buy a studio condo and then you maybe eventually you can get a house. Like we could fill in those gaps. I think that's the aspiration. Wiser makes sure to note if several buildings become available for sale, residents who either do not want or are not able to purchase their unit would not be forced out and could continue to rent their home. The 2020-2021 school year is nearly on the books. The academic year was undoubtedly one of the strangest for all staff, students, and teachers. But for John Pandolfo, the year was also his first at the helm of the Telluride School District. Pandolfo took over the role of superintendent last year. This week, KOTO News caught up with Pandolfo to chat about his first year in the district, lessons learned, and plans for the future. Congratulations on making it through the school year and also making it through your first year in the district. I'm sure that's a, a milestone unto itself, and then you add on COVID and it's a whole other ball game. So how does it feel to be getting to this end of the year? I mean, um, you know, it feels great. It really does. I feel like the last, really since April break, I would say, it just starts feeling real and it starts feeling like, wow, we're like making it through the year. So I think up to that point, not that I ever had any doubts we were going to make it, but, and we knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel, but it seemed pretty far away. And so I feel like now, especially, you know, having um, had a great graduation this weekend, we did kindergarten and pre-kindergarten graduation, and that was just the most adorable thing in the world. You know, all of that, I think, really just helps feel like we're there. And so, you know, I'm just, um, I mean, tired, as, are, as is everybody who's here. But, you know, I think really happy and just really looking forward to being able to get down to um, a lot of the work that, you know, I wasn't able to get to and we weren't able to get to this year for good reason and really just think about moving ahead. Having had the, having this be your first year, do you think that there's anything that you learned about the district mm -hmm. and the school that you think maybe you wouldn't have found out had it not yeah. been for COVID? That's a really good question, and it's hard not having done it two ways to know what I might have learned or not learned. I think what I learned is, I guess what I would say is the level of care, the level of grit, if you want to call it, um, that everyone you know, has and the commitment to making it through the year. And while everybody is, everybody I talk to says, it's really great, like the end of the year is getting here. Um, you know, people didn't, you know, didn't bail. They they stuck with it and did what they needed to do for kids. And, and the kids really stuck with it. It is a lot. And, and I feel proud that, you know, we've had, we've had various quarantines, you know, we report them all, we've documented them all, we've done a lot of testing, but by and large, I think we've created an environment that has kept people safe so that we could focus on education. And so, I mean, I'm very proud of that. You mentioned that you're excited to kind of get to turn some of your focus to other yeah. things besides COVID. What are some of those things that, you know, having going into year two yep. of hopefully a long career at yep. at the district. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to, to bringing up? You know, when I look through my, the 100 day entry plan that I wrote 15 months ago now, and I, you know, look at some of the things that, you know, I identified from the people I spoke with and from the research I had done about the district, 
really helping to align curriculum, um, move things forward, I think is one of the things I'm just looking forward to. I was in a fair number of classrooms this year for the different observations for the staff I directly supervise and then visiting other classrooms, but I'm looking forward to much, much more of that. And being able to, being able to offer what I can from my years of instruction um, and really pulling people together to coordinate to make sure that everything we're doing, you know, they're all kind of cogs in all the wheels that are all moving in the right direction and in the same direction. I would add that, um, you know, and a quick example of that is, you know, we began this year an entrepreneurship program. Um, there was a fair amount of interest, and that interest I think will truly step up over the years, but it's a way to integrate our school with our community, which was again at some level one of my goals, and bring some of our expertise in the community and to mentor students, get creative ideas, and really reach students that want to learn in a different way because not everybody is, you know, it does, just doesn't work to spend all your day sitting in the classroom just like it doesn't work for me to spend all my day sitting in the office. We're in the process of hiring a dual immersion coordinator and that will help really improve that program and not just that program but not just the very classrooms but I think our overall school system in that context particularly as we move it up to middle school. So I mean those are some of the big things and, and again I feel like we made some progress on all of that this year because you have to but I think it was largely diverted because so much energy had to focus on I'll call it safety. I know that despite the fact that school does get out for the summer, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get a huge break. Yeah. <laughs> the work continues, yeah. but um, you know, being in, going into the second summer and a little bit, hopefully, less, a little bit less pressure. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to getting to sure. get out and do? And I guess what I would say is, you know, I rolled into town June twenty third last year, and by. June 24th or 5th, I was working. Uh, we negotiated our teacher agreement just after that. And the first actual vacation day I took was April vacation. So, and you know, for the rest of the administrative team and really for everybody at some level, it was just work straight through the summer. So my current plan is to travel to Utah, do some camping and some canyon exploring and do it as much as the heat will tolerate. I'm gonna do a lot of road biking, which is a new thing for me, and this is a great place to do it. So I'm excited for that. Plus, I'm just so looking forward to being here for different parts of festival season and, and enjoying festivals, whether from my back porch or from being in person. So, you know, I'm just excited for all that and just to be able to move forward. Well, John, congratulations on making it through the year again and yeah, happy summer, almost. Thank you. After an all-online festival last year, Mountain Film is back this week with in-person festivities and a lineup of speakers, over 20 feature films, and over 100 short films. I can literally say this is the strongest slate of films that I remember um, yeah. since I've started as festival director. That's festival director Suzanne Barraza speaking on Kodo on Tuesday. Hilary Nelson, guest director for the 2021 festival, also joined and notes there isn't much about the pandemic in this year's films. With things changing day to day in terms of restrictions and how we're being affected here as locals with this pandemic for the last year and a half, I think these films are going to be amazing in terms of just 
grounding us all and opening our minds outside of what we've been forced to be focused on for the last year. But COVID precautions will still be part of the weekend in some spots. Viewers at outdoor theaters at Town Park and a new venue at Lawson Hill Field will be able to choose how cautious they want to be. You can sit where you like, you can wear a mask or not. It's completely um, what you feel comfortable with. You can be with your buddies or you can sit kind of off to the side. It's up to you. Viewers at the Transfer Warehouse will have to sit in pods. Viewers at the Indoor Palm Theater and Telluride Conference Center will have to wear masks and maintain social distance. Due to COVID, the festival will also be smaller this year. But Barraza thinks that will make it more intimate. I'm really excited about it. Just that you'll be able to meet up with people. And, you know, Mountain Film has a bit of FOMO normally because there are just so many people and so many things going on all the time that it gets a little overwhelming. I think this is going to feel a lot more manageable. All events at Town Park and Lawson Hill are free and open to the public, and Barraza stresses there will also be options for anyone who can't get a spot to ticketed events. We're only selling the venues to about 50%, so if there's something you want to see, please show up and do the standby line like people are used to. Every Mountain Film for 42 years has had a queue, so this year's no different. There'll still be that line. If you didn't work ahead and get your tickets, you can still show up at any venue and wait in line and most likely get in as long as you're not like there five minutes before. In addition to speakers and films, there will also be free outdoor events, including hikes with Nelson and with musician and founder of the band Elephant Revival, Daniel Rodriguez. They're called trail sessions and they their whole point is you go out into the wilderness and hear a concert. So those were programs that a long time ago we thought, hey, those should work. Free range hike with Hillary and outdoor concert. I think we're going to be good there. There will also be options for anyone not able to come to Telluride this weekend. Mountain Film is once again hosting an online festival, which will take place the week after the in-person event. I think it's a really great idea and hopefully it becomes a a, a thing with Mountain Film moving forward to keep that online version after the in-person festival. It definitely spreads mountain film far and wide, much further than we could ever do. So that's that's pretty exciting. Barraza says whether the online festival continues into the future depends on the response it gets this year. The in-person mountain film festival will take place this Friday through Monday with a handful of early events on Wednesday and Thursday. The virtual festival will be available online Monday, May 31st through Sunday, June 6th. More information is available at mountainfilm.org. To hear the full hour-long interview with Barraza and Nelson, as well as directors of three of the festival's feature films, head to koto.org and click on Off the Record under the News tab. Jazz is back. On Wednesday, the Telluride Jazz Festival announced its lineup for the 2021 event. This year, the lineup features Galactic featuring Angelica Jelly Joseph, Robert Glasper, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band, the Budos Band, the Hot Sardines, and Pancho Sanchez. There will also be performances from The Dip, Christian Sands, Kelly Finnegan and the Atonements, Bonorama, Allison Miller's Boom Tick Boom, Catherine Russell, the Harlem Gospel Travelers, and many more. Performances will, of course, take place on both the Fred Shellman Memorial Stage in Town Park and on the Society Stage, set up in Elks. 
Jazz Fest's late-night programming, Jazz After Dark, will also be back this summer with performances at different local venues. Jazz After Dark will have a vaccine or negative COVID test requirement. To enter the venues, festival-goers will need to provide either proof of vaccination or a negative test within 48 hours of the festival. There will not be a vaccine or test requirement for the outdoor venues, including the main festival grounds and the main stage area. The Telluride Jazz Festival will take place in Telluride from August 13th through 15th, 2021. Tickets and festival passes go on sale on Thursday, May 27th, and are available at telluridejazz.org. The gondola between Telluride and Mountain Village will open for the season this week, meaning summer is officially here. And with the U.S., state, and county getting back to something closer to normal, the gondola will open at full capacity, eight people per cabin, with no requirement on traveling in associated groups. The singles line will reopen. But that doesn't mean all COVID protocols are out the window. Per federal, state, and county regulations, masks will be required at all times while traveling by gondola, including in the cabins themselves and in the terminals to load and unload. The gondola will open Thursday, May 27th, and operate from 7 a.m. to midnight daily. It will stay open until 2 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays during the peak summer season. Five lucky Coloradans who have received at least one dose of the coronavirus vaccine will win a million dollars from a new sweepstakes. State officials hope the incentive will boost lagging inoculation rates. Governor Jared Polis says vaccinated residents will automatically be entered into five weekly drawings. The first starts June 4th. Every vaccine works incredibly well. So rather than gamble on getting COVID, let's take a chance on winning a million dollars. The prize money comes from a federal coronavirus stimulus package. Residents must also be at least 18 years old to win. Polis says residents have about a 1 in 500,000 chance of winning based on current vaccination rates. Democrats are close to sending Governor Jared Polis a bill to create a new health insurance option regulated by the state government. KOTO's Scott Franz has more. Colorado would become the second state after Washington trying to reduce premiums on the individual market by sparking competition. But lawmakers dropped plans for a public option. Instead, private companies will carry it. Senator Dominic Moreno says it will help fix a broken health care system. Maybe it means one less person declares bankruptcy because they got sick. But some Democrats who voted yes, including Joanne Janal of Fort Collins, are skeptical. Nothing in this bill explains how it will actually save money for the people who need this the most. The Senate passed the bill after several hours of debate. It heads back to the House to sort out the amendments. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 40 degrees. Thursday should be mostly sunny during the day and mostly cloudy at night, with a high in the mid-60s and a low around 40. Friday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high near 70 degrees. Friday night should be mostly clear, with a low around 40. 
This has been the news for Wednesday, May 26th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hey, Kodo listeners, listen up. If you make less than 50000 a year, you may be eligible for free energy efficiency upgrades. That's right, I said free. This is Burton, Chris, and Jackie here with EcoAction Partners reaching out to you to tell you about the San Miguel Power Association IQ Weatherization Program, an extension of the CARE program. So what is it? The SMPA IQ Weatherization Program, also known as CARE, offers free assistance to lower your utility bills. This program is fully funded by SMPA, Black Hills Energy, and Energy Outreach Colorado and provides auditing and energy efficiency upgrades at no cost to renters and homeowners alike. And what's included? Free home energy audit and energy efficiency upgrades to reduce your energy bill and make your home more comfortable. These upgrades can include furnace or boiler tune-ups or replacements, crawlspace wall and attic insulation, Energy Star refrigerator upgrades, air sealing measures, programmable thermostats, and so much more. Did we mention this is free? How to apply? Call EcoAction Partners at 970-728-1340. That's 970-728-1340. Or find the application for the SMPA IQ Weatherization Program at ecoactionpartners.org. The Telluride Gallery of Fine Art is excited to present Vessel, a group exhibition opening this Thursday, May 27th, with a reception for the artists during Art Walk from 5 to 8 p.m. Come meet our local and visiting artists from Los Angeles, Yasi Manzandi, Angel Chen, Dana Flores, Paulina Pearl, as well as Hudala Van Heel and Rebecca Crowell. We look forward to seeing you. Hi there, Coda listeners. This is Lexi Tudnam, Executive Director of Sheep Mountain Alliance. Thursday, May 27th from 6 to 8 p.m., we are hosting the last in our four-part Forest Health Forum in collaboration with the Library, Telluride Ecology Commission, and EcoAction Partners. If you've ever wondered what is happening in the forests around you, worried about wildfire, and wanted to know what you could do about it, tune in. This week, join Executive Director of EcoAction Partners, Emma Girona, Telluride Institute's Tucker Simkowitz, as well as Chris Hazen and Chris Holstrom with the county to learn more about mitigating and adapting to climate change. There will be an interactive Q&A to follow the event, so please come with your questions. To learn more about the series or to sign up, please go to the Wilkinson Public Library events page and click on the Forest Health Forum. If you missed any of the forums, you can go to sheetmountainalliance.org forward slash Telluride region and scroll down to view the recordings. Hope to see you there. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Kodo listeners. Um, We're here to talk about the Progressive Women's Caucus. Our mission is to elevate women and shape our community through leadership and participation. The goals of the Progressive Women's Caucus are to elevate progressive, dynamic, and fluid leaders onto open boards, commissions, and into public office, to educate the community on important issues and opportunities, and to advocate and endorse progressive solutions to to community challenges. If you resonate with our mission and goals, please consider joining us for the Progressive Women's Caucus Summer Kickoff Celebration. On June 3rd, the PWC will host our annual meeting in person. Woo! 
Please join us for an evening of celebrating, rekindling our in-person connections, and re-energizing our progressive spirits. The Progressive Women's Caucus kickoff celebration will be held in Town Park, under the bra, at 5 p.m. on Thursday, June 3rd. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Coda listeners. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.